It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On NBA Fantasy Minute is presented by PrizePix. PrizePix is the most fun you can have playing daily fantasy basketball and winning up to 25 times your money. Go to prizepix.com slash LockedOnNBA and use the code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. We are very much in the thick of the fantasy basketball playoffs. You might be starting it this week. You might be already in it. It might be a week away. And at this point of the year, with only five weeks left in the entire regular season, Playing the schedule is the most important thing. So this week, the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Los Angeles Lakers play two games only. So any fringe players you have from those teams, even guys, yes, like Kyle Anderson replacing Kyle Anthony Towns, that's not worth it with two games on. You need to be stacking extra games and you need to be looking at the teams with four games. You need to be looking at teams with games early in the week and then switching them out for teams with more games later in the week. Get more games in, play the schedule, be cutthroat with injuries and get players in to get yourself success for fantasy basketball. This Lockdown Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less takeout, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian, and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals, plus free shipping on your first box, and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, like, because when I shot, I expected to make it. So, like, I don't shoot kind of miss. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to episode number 854 of Locked On Raptors for Monday, December the 28th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter, as always, at WoodleySean. You can find the show at Locked On Raptors. You can find links to every single episode of the podcast. And, of course, please make sure you're checking out the entirety of the Locked On Podcast Network. We've got team-focused shows covering all 30 NBA teams as well as all of the other teams throughout the Big Four Sports and the NCAA. And we've got the Women's Basketball Podcast and lots of great options for you. Uh, for example, if you're a baseball fan and are very excited about Blake Snell getting traded to the San Diego Padres, go listen to to Locked On Padres with host Javier Reyes, who is equally, probably significantly more excited than you are about Blake Snell going to the Padres. So go give that show a listen today. Javi is great. 
All right, on today's show, let's get to it. The Toronto Raptors are coming off a 119-114 loss to the San Antonio Spurs. It's just me here to talk all about it. The Raptors fall to 0-2, and they continue to be under 500 for the first stretch of time since 2014. It's very, very jarring. People seem to be losing their minds just a little bit because it's uh, it's unnatural. It's strange seeing the Raptors struggle to win games that they typically would win. It's strange to see them lose to teams that are probably worse than them and will finish worse than them in the standings. It's just not the kind of the way they've done business in recent years, and it's jarring, but that's okay. We'll kind of help you digest it and get through it on today's episode. I'm going to dive into sort of the reasons why I'm not at all worried off the top of the show. Then we'll get into a couple of listener questions as well. Let's get to it on today's show with a breakdown of the 119-114 loss of the Spurs. First off, shout out to DeMar DeRozan. Gotta love it. And getting punked by him is always fun and cool, even though it comes at the expense of the Raptors. Win and loss column, that's fine. Uh, DeMar rules, and it's always good to see him succeed and thrive and be happy and get some revenge over the Raptors. Anyway, my biggest takeaway, let's start it off with the way we usually start these recap episodes off. My biggest takeaway from the Raptors game against the Spurs is that there is still nothing to be worried about if you are a Toronto Raptors fan. It's kind of a classic Sean take, but, you know, kind of predictable, I suppose. I suppose after two games, I'm not going to come out with anything terribly strong or concerned or alarm bell sounding because there's no reason to be sounding those alarm bells. And the main reason I think that is that the thing that really... I think hampers this team and the thing that was the downfall in the postseason last year, the thing that was always going to be the limiting factor on this team, the half court offense. I feel like that's working just fine. They're getting really good looks. They're shooting reasonably well from three. I think, yeah, they were 36% against the Spurs. They had the, the dry spell against the Pelicans in the second half, but they were also red hot in the first half of that game against new Orleans. They're getting up good looks. They're getting just like wide open shots for guys like Matt Thomas and Norm Powell. Although not so much in the last game, he didn't attempt a single three, but the game before certainly OG Ananobi as well. He finally hit a couple threes in the game against the Spurs after going 0 four in the first game. And it's just it's working well. It's humming. It seems like the chemistry issues that were there between Kyle Lowry and Aaron Baines have been resolved in exactly one game. And I thought Baines was excellent. I thought the center play in this game, which we'll get to, was was outstanding as well. And the half court offense to me looks totally fine and healthy. And it still has a lot of room to grow because as Kyle Lowry talked about after the game on Saturday, they're still implementing a new offense under Chris Finch. And I think it would have been really premature to expect the offense to be humming at its best two games into a regular season after three preseason games during a move from one country to another where half the guys don't even have accommodations yet and they're practicing out of a hotel ballroom. Like, it's a very adverse situation. And if any team has some runway to be a little bit slow and discombobulated out of the gate, it's this Raptors team. And so I'm not terribly surprised that they're a little bit slow and discombobulated out of the gate. But the offense, to me, looks totally fine, and I think it will get better. I think we'll see start, shots start to fall for guys like Norm Powell, Ford, or Giannanobi, uh, for Matt Thomas, who had a strangely, um, I guess he wasn't strangely off. He was 2 of 5 from 3. It felt like he was missing everything because Matt Thomas feels like he hits everything on his good nights. Um, but for the most part, I, I thought this was a, a pretty good offensive game where things looked really, really tight and strong. In the first quarter in particular, it was just whipping around, and I think Baines... 
you're really feeling his presence a little bit as a screener, his ability to just fire up threes. You know, he doesn't hit them all, and I don't love watching him and his strange jump forward one foot in front of the other type uh, release, but it gets the job done for the most part, at least at a league average level. And then you have Chris Boucher coming in off the bench who provides a lot of excitement and pop too. And, you know, the thing that the Raptors have in their two big men this year that they didn't have last year is you know, I think a rolling presence, which they did just, it's not what Serge Ibaka did best. He could do it fine, but it's not what he did best. And Gasol was one of the worst finishers around the basket in the league, let alone among centers. Like he just was bad at it, period. And so I think with Boucher and Baines, you're seeing, you know, Baines has these little flip shots around the basket. He's pretty good at getting those easy buckets around the rim. He's not going to miss too many bunnies for you. He's got a pretty soft touch. He can roll, and we saw the chemistry work a little bit better with Kyle in this game. He can also pop, which is nice as well, even though teams don't tend to really respect him all that much. Eventually, those will start falling if they're wide open, you would think. And then Boucher offers kind of a similar collection of skills as Serge did offensively it's far more erratic and a little less predictable or significantly less predictable but you know he's a good roller he can pop he's happy to take a three he's happy to finish plays in a way that a lot of guys on the Raptors aren't and so you know I think when you looked at this team and thought oh man the offense which was a problem last year it's going to be even more of a problem this year with no Gasol and no Ibaka I don't think they've lost that much. They've kind of, I think, picked up where they left off and, in fact, in a lot of ways, look a little bit better. In fact, tomorrow on the podcast, we're going to talk to Louis Zatzman, who wrote a piece for Raptors Republic today all about how the Raptors pick-and-roll offense kind of has a lot of possibilities and has looked quite good so far through two games and has been far from the thing to be worried about. And that brings me to the second part of the reasons why I'm not worried is that the defense has been the real problem. It has been disjointed. It has been slow. There have been blow-bys. We've seen just some uncharacteristically silly, you know, brain lapsy type moments from this defense, which is not something we typically see. And I just, you know, you might look at the loss of Gasol and say, wow, like this team is going to be miserable defense now. He was so essential to what they did. And maybe there's some truth to that. Maybe there's going to be a, a drop-off that can't be avoided with Marcus Saul leaving just because of all the stuff he did to quarterback the defense and the flexibility he gave it. We saw in the first game, we talked about this in the last podcast before Christmas with Vivek about how, you know, Baines doesn't have the same ability to cover ground that Marcus Saul did, the way Gasol could read angles and use his large strides just to always be in the right spots. It might be a matter of being a little bit more conservative with Baines and then on when it comes to Boucher it's a little bit more erratic and he's kind of at a position we saw it late in that game in crunch time against the Spurs where he went for a ill-time block it was uh, he ended up at a position for the rebound and they gave up a bunch of offensive boards and ended up giving up a dagger bucket late in that game and that's that's what we're seeing is there's a drop-off for sure in terms of proven defensive talent from Gasol and Ibaka to Baines and Boucher but I just don't think there's any way they're this bad. They have been pretty miserable on defense so far. Part of that is teams getting unseasonably hot. And, you know, DeMar DeRozan hitting three or four threes is not something you ever expect. But it happened. The 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 Pelicans got insanely hot with Lonzo Ball and Eric Bledsoe and, of course, J.J. Redick in the first game. And it's a little bit of make-and-miss stuff for the Raptors so far. And there's been a lot of makes against their defense thus far. But... There's also a lot of potential, as we know, and we talked about this as being a top two or three defense coming into the season, and I still maintain that they're going to be that when they're at their peak, and we saw stretches against the Spurs where it looked like that, 
you know, pretty smothering, you know, three, four minute blurbs. And I think Fred Van Vliet talked about this after the game. You know, they have moments where they look like themselves, but then it's also, you know, there, there's a lot of uh, fallback and dropping back to something a little bit more pedestrian over the course of the game. And I just, I feel like of all the things that we think we can believe about this Raptors team, the fact that it can play defense with the best of them is really at the top of the list. And I just, I can't envision a team that has Kyle Lowry, Fred Van Vliet, Pascal Siakam, OG Ananobi, Aaron Baines, who's a very solid back-of-the-line defender, Boucher, who offers a little bit more switchability and exciting playmaking and maybe some gaffes here and there as well. But hey, guess what? You know, Serge Ibaka had his gaffes too. You throw in, you know, the the improvement of Ahmad Thomas. There's just not much in the way of bad defense on this team. Thomas was really good in the last game, I thought. He's been good so far this season. That's why he's getting the minutes. And I, and I just feel like the defensive upside of this team is too high and there's too much IQ that you can't just say Gasol leaving has ruined this defense. It, it's going to take some time. Again, this goes back to the offense thing and how they, they, they're not quite up to full speed because they're not totally comfortable with the offense just yet. The offense is clearly ahead of the defense in terms of getting up to speed. And I think the adjustment period has a lot to do with not having Gasol back there anymore. You're getting used to having a new set of big men there. And the anchors of your defense are entirely different. They play different. They have different tendencies, different strengths. And those things will sort themselves out. Because you're just you're not going to have a team with as much perimeter defensive talent as the Raptors end up being a bad defensive team. They'll figure it out, I'm sure. And so, uh, to conclude, I'm not worried just even the slightest. They're 0-2. You look around the league and there's a lot of weird shit going on. You've got the Cavs are undefeated. You've got the Thunder are undefeated. It's it's silly. The the Wolves were undefeated until they lost to the Lakers last night. The Clippers are losing by 50 to the Mavericks. You know, Kawhi's out, but still losing by 50 is hilarious and embarrassing. It's just, it's a bizarre start to the season. You should expect unpredictability always in small samples, but especially in a small sample that is dogged by the weirdness of this season with teams having differing, uh, you know, periods off and things like that. I you know I'm not concerned at all. The Raptors are going to figure out what makes the Raptors the Raptors again, and I would imagine we'll see the defense continue to improve and see those stretches where they're really good. You know, inch up from three to four minutes to six to seven minutes to full quarters at a time, because you know if you look at the game, there was still a lot of instances of Pascal being just like the best contester of corner threes in the world, and OG continuing to be just an absolute beast, you know, of on-ball and off-ball defense. You know, it's all there. It's not like they forgot how to play defense overnight, and it will, I think, coalesce uh, in short order here to make things a little bit smoother on that end and to help, you know, augment what looks like a pretty decent offense so far through a couple games, and a thing that Nick Nurse does not seem concerned about either. He seems pretty happy with the offense and upset with the defense, and of all the things that will figure themselves out, it's the defense for this team. All right, that is going to be the end of my uh, It's Fine rant for this fine Monday afternoon. Uh, it's kind of like a regularly scheduled segment, I suppose. But we're going to continue on and talk more about the Spurs game. In particular, I want to dive in to Chris Boucher, who was awesome and maybe is uh, just like the real sixth man of the year for the Raptors. Who knows? It's very exciting watching what he's doing out there. He's super fun. And we'll get into Boucher. We're also going to dive into some listener questions coming up on the other side. So stick around. But first, I want to tell everybody about betonline.ag, which is the place you should be going right now if you want to throw some money down on the sports of the day. 
When you go to betonline.ag, use the promo code LOCKEDON, you get a 50% welcome bonus, meaning if you deposit 200 bucks, you're getting an extra 100 bucks just thrown into your account as that 50% bonus. It is a wonderful, wonderful deal they have going on right now, and you can bet on all sorts of things. It can be futures for the upcoming NHL season. It can be tonight's NBA games. It can be the NFL Week 17 schedule that's coming up this week as well. There's no shortage of things for you to lay your money down on on betonline.ag. AG. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use that promo code locked on to receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. BetOnline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Barea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Barea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Barea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right, before I dive into Chris Boucher, and boy, there's a lot of fun to talk about with Chris Boucher, I just want to remind people that Locked On Bets is a show that you should be checking out right now if you are taking advantage of our wonderful betonline.ag welcome bonus offer, for example. Go listen to Locked On Bets, and your boy Q and Lee Sterling of that podcast will tell you all about who to throw your money down on on a given night. It's a wonderful podcast, short, bite-sized, gets to the point. Highly recommend you go check out Locked On Bets on your favorite podcast provider. Not to be mistaken with a podcast about Mookie Bets of the LA Dodgers. It's just about gambling. But maybe we'll have a Locked On Mookie Bets podcast one day too. Anyway, let's get to it with Chris Boucher. I want to dive into him because he was probably the takeaway of the night. Yes, Fred Van Vliet was excellent. He was 27-3-9 and he, you know, 5-12 from 3. He was really what kept the offense afloat for large chunks of this game. So happy to see him get on track after a rough first game. Kyle was himself. He's 16-10. and 10. You know, could have shot better, but he still was Kyle Lowry. I'm not concerned about it. The bad shooting night or whatever, because he still does wonderful Kyle Lowry things whenever he's on the floor. Pascal Siakam, I thought, was really good, too. Uh, 16, 15, and 8. Yes, the shooting for him was also a little bit off. He was 0-5 from 3, 6 of 16 from the field. Nice to see him go 6 of 11 from 2, which was a bit of a sore spot for him uh, in the bubble and uh, through the preseason and all, and all that stuff. So glad he's taking those shots, getting 11 two-pointers up and hitting most of them. So that's good to see. The threes have been a nice surprise so far, and hopefully he continues on with the trajectory he's been on through the preseason. And the first game and the second game of the season is not a telling sign. Um, but when it, when it comes to Pascal, the big thing, is the assists. Eight assists, really, really impressive playmaking. Yes, the turnovers are still there. He had five turnovers in this one, but I'm glad to see he kind of has a plan when he's driving. He's, you know, passing and kicking on the on the drive. He's not sort of probing with a post up and waiting for passing options to come. He's kind of driving and directly slinging it out. It's looking really good. I'm happy to see Pascal's playmaking come along, but that's nothing new. We talked about that on Thursday as well. Go listen to that episode with Big V if you want to hear the breakdown of Pascal's playmaking a little bit more in depth. But 
The big thing from this game, Chris Boucher, of course, 28 minutes played, played significantly more than Aaron Baines, was out there for most of crunch time, uh, 22 points, 10 rebounds, 1 assist, 9 of 13 shooting, 3 of 4 from deep, and 7 blocks for Chris Boucher, who I, look, people know listening to this podcast that I've been skeptical of Chris Boucher in the past. I have been unsure of his NBA utility. I've been unsure if he's anything more than just like a really, really great garbage time player. I'm ready to renounce all negative things I've ever said about Chris Boucher, even if he's just a really fun regular season player who can put up crooked stat lines because he just has the insane per 36 minutes of like, I don't know, Wilt Chamberlain at this point. You know, that's fine to me. That is a really fun and exciting player to watch for 72 or 82 games over the course of a full season. And I am really in on the Chris Boucher experience as a result. You know, the playoff utility will get to that bridge down the line. But for now, I'm just going to enjoy the hell out of the Boucher season. There are going to be some really crazy ass nights. He's going to play big minutes, it seems. He's a significantly established part of the eight man rotation that Nick Nurse keeps sticking to, which we'll get to in the final segment once we get to a mailbag question. Um, you know, he, he it seems like he's pretty entrenched and there's no reason for him not to be. Yes, his defense can be a little bit erratic at times. He was at a position on the offensive rebound that cost the Raptors the game on Saturday. That's not great, obviously, but you take the good with the bad. And the good was overwhelming on Saturday night. And just the the verve he kind of plays with, the excitement that you kind of get when he hits the floor, it's such a crazy contrast to Baines, who is like a polar opposite player. You know, Baines sets great screens. Boucher sets terrible screens. Baines is a sort of thick dude who stands in one spot on defense and does verticality. Chris Boucher is the skinniest man alive who flies all over the place chasing blocks, and it's fun as hell. Um, you know, they're just they're wildly different styles of players, and it's a fun little thing to see that quick instant change when Baines checks out and Boucher checks in. And it's got to be something for a defense to adjust to as well because Boucher is just like, you never know where he's going to come from. You know, I, I think, I don't remember what podcast is, but I think, I think it was Low Post talking about how Zion Williamson has sort of, the, the word to describe him as a player is sudden, and that's the best description of him. You could kind of use that for Chris Boucher as well. He, you know, he's a little bit less like explosive and, you know, two foot dunks and stuff like that than Zion, but he is just kind of flying around all over the place. He's hawking the ball. He sees the ball. He chases the ball. He knows nothing else, and it is beautiful to watch. He's great on the offensive glass. He gets back in there. He had a couple strong finishes, which I don't think was really part of his repertoire in recent years on Saturday as well. And the three-point shot, look, do I think he's going to be like a 40% three-point shooter? No. Do I think it's probably closer to like 33 if you're getting the best of Chris Boucher? Yeah, probably. But even then, it's a nice threat for him to have. And he also balances that with a fun role game. He can be a lob threat and can kind of get those garbage buckets as well on those putbacks that we talked about. You know, he just kind of does a lot of fun stuff out there. And he's a real joy to watch. And I just, I'm glad to see... He looks like a legitimate contributor here. And in fact, maybe the best player on the Raptors bench so far because Norm Powell has been basically non-existent through two games as Nick Nurse addressed on Monday and his media availability. Um, you know, it's been a rough start for Norm and it's going to take some time. But the fact that they have Boucher and Matt Thomas offering production off the bench is, I think, going to help limit the pain of Powell having a slow start because you have that extra scoring. It's not only relying on five guys to score, which, remember, oftentimes was the case in the playoffs last year. So I'm just really happy with Boucher. I'm glad to see he's thriving. I'm glad to see he's getting you know, ample touches and an opportunity to make an impact on the game. Whether I want him out there in crunch time, 
I'm not sure. I think it would have been better served to have Baines on the floor in the final minutes of the Spurs game. He's just a little bit more steady, the rebounding, the defense, all that stuff. But it's hard to argue with Nick Nurse playing Boucher deep into that game because of how effective he was and how electrifying his offense was. And he's got a pretty good partnership, it seems, with Kyle Lowry. Stunning, I know. It's truly remarkable that Kyle Lowry has found a connection with another big man. It's just, it's, it floors me just to think about it. But um, yeah, it, it's just, uh, I'm... Not much in the way of a takeaway other than it's awesome to see, and I hope he continues it because at this rate, he, of all the guys on the Raptors bench, might be the one in six-man conversation contention instead of Norm, who I think came in as you know one of the top five or six favorites for that award off the start of the season based on the strength of his 2019-20 campaign. So uh, let's start the six-man of the year Boucher campaign right now, I guess. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's a uh, it's fun thing. It's going to be fun to watch all season long. So shout out to Chris Boucher for a wonderful, wonderful start to the season and and pretty quickly silencing my Alex Len should play more uh, take because I you know I like Len I think he's got something to offer we'll probably see him this year at some point in some capacity but if Boucher is going to play like he has for the first two games there's no need to roll out Alex Len that much at center unless you really need some size in a matchup where Boucher is going to be out, out, overmatched which hey could happen on Tuesday against the Sixers because Joel Embiid large man I don't think we're going to see Chris Boucher guard him particularly well, but you know that might be fun just to watch for you know masochism reasons. Anyway, uh, that's all I got on Boucher. Very happy to see what he's doing, and I hope to see it continue. And I also think he maybe has a chance to break Keon Clark's block record this season. I'll call it right now. He's going to do it, and we'll root for that all season long. Seven is not his season high. He's got the capacity for more because he's a lunatic out there. Give him 38 minutes, dude's going to put up like a quadruple double because he just and but it'll be with turnovers and not assists because he doesn't pass but that's fine um he's just uh he's a fun dude and i uh look forward to watching him throughout the remainder of the season in a way that i did not expect to feel before the season began as a chris boucher skeptic myself with that, I'm going to come back on the other side. We're going to close out the show with a couple of mailbag questions, and we'll have some fun with those. But first, I want to tell everybody about Built Bar, which is the best-tasting protein bar on the planet. It's more delicious than ever. It's new and improved. They have 18 amazing flavors, including the likes of cookies and cream, lemon almond cheesecake, mint brownie, orange, which rules the all-time best toffee almond as well. Bars are covered in 100% chocolate, and they're soft and easy to chew. You, like me, might be currently plowing through all of the Christmas chocolate and candy that you have in the house and just trying to get rid of it by eating it and look it's 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 fun it tastes good but also is going to make you feel like crap a built bar however if you want to cheat and have a little snack that tastes good and it feels like a like a little bit of a an indulgence it's not that it's really really good for you it is great for the health conscious person it's you can lose or maintain weight while indulging in a tasty treat bars are low calorie low sugar high protein high fiber and great for keto diets as well and right now when you go to builtbar.com and use the promo code locked on you get 20 percent off of your next order that is the promo code locked on for 20 percent off at builtbar.com no matter what moves you made last year TurboTax experts make them count. Did you say no to a big wedding and elope at the county courthouse? That's a move. Did you go back to school to get your degree? That's a move. Did you relocate for a fresh start? Well, that's literally a move. Maybe you moved into a houseboat instead of a house house or switched gears from rideshare driving to video game streaming. Or you rode the stock market to the moon and back. TurboTax experts make all your moves count, getting you every credit and deduction you deserve. The 
file with 100% accuracy and get you your max refund guaranteed. So switch to TurboTax. Make your moves. They'll make them count. See guarantee details at TurboTax.com guarantees. Experts only available with TurboTax Live. All right, let's get to a couple of mailbag questions here. Just a heads up, like I said, tomorrow, Louis Zatzman is going to come on the podcast from Raptors Republican to talk about the piece he wrote about the Raptors pick-and-roll offense, and he watched every single pick-and-roll the Raptors have run this season and wrote a great piece about it. So go read that to prepare for listening to tomorrow's podcast ahead of the Sixers game, which I'll recap and uh, do an episode on Wednesday for. So let's dive on in to a couple of mailbag questions here kind of rotation related and things like that this one comes from our pal past and future guests of the show freddie revis he asks i love fred and i love kyle and they are both easily top three players on this team but i can't shake the feeling that playing them together so much makes the raptors small is this a problem i still like your idea to start norm from last year please whisper it to nurse um so thanks freddie for the question I am definitely off the start norm thing. I was last year. I, I thought it was the right call to you know throw norm in there for the size on the wings. But I kind of think what the Raptors found last year was a pretty good formula. You know, Fred and Kyle together works quite well. They can play off one another. Yes, I would rather see Kyle have the ball in his hands more than Fred. Yes, that's a bummer and it annoys me to no end when in crunch time Fred has the ball over, over Kyle. But for the most part, those two working together work really well. They defend at a really high level and make it work even though they're both six feet tall because they're so good because they can guard up to shooting guards. Like It's just not an issue. They, they do a really good job with it. And I think Norm, I've always kind of thought Norm was at his best in... You know, a five-man lineup where he's the number four or five option. He can attack swings and, and, and rotating defenses and be a good, you know, tertiary creator for you. I'm a little bit off of that after what we saw last year with 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 him on the team. And I think his work as a sort of more go-to type option off the bench was really, really effective. And, you know, Norm's an enigma. He kind of is unknowable in a lot of ways. His game fluctuates year to year. His shooting fluctuates, though not so much recently. It's kind of just stabilized at 40%, which is great. But he's a bit unpredictable and unidentifiable. And I think in the starting five, you want to have the you know, the, the reliability of a Fred and Kyle, especially if you're going to use that starting five to close games. And look, I, you know, I think I'm well documented on this podcast, not really caring who the starting lineup is. And I think it's totally fine to have Kyle and Fred and they're probably going to close most games together anyway, too. And you can work Norman as well in those small lineups that we saw that were so effective in the playoffs last year. Haven't seen a ton of it so far this year, but I think we will see it. You know, I, I don't find the size issue to be that much of a problem, especially now as the NBA is skewing smaller as well. And, you know, there aren't, there, there aren't that many teams out there with like multiple excellent large guards to try to guard. You know, it'll be interesting to watch, I guess, against a team like the Sixers, how they sort of assign the defensive positions. And, you know, is Kyle going to have to guard like Tobias Harris as OG sizes up to guard um, Ben Simmons or whatever? It's going to be a strange mishmash here and there and that's the the trade-off of having two six-foot guards in your backcourt that sometimes the matchups are going to be a little bit difficult but I don't think they play small so no I don't think it makes them too small to answer Freddie's question I think it's totally fine and Norm I think off the bench is kind of what you where you want him now I'm happy with him playing off the bench I think he's found his role there kind of similar to when Terrence Ross kind of moved to the bench and became a really effective player and you know kind of found his calling in that spot I think Give it time with Norm. We'll see it. Uh, but I also don't really want his erratic play in the starting five, considering you really need 
every ounce of you know reliability, dependability, non-turnover, basketball IQ in that starting five and those closing lineups as you can possibly find. Uh, another question comes in, this one from uh, Regina Pearson. She asks, uh, what are some rotations you'd like to see early in the season? I'm just going to spin this into a larger question about the rotation itself. Uh, so far through two games, basically an eight-man rotation uh, with DeAndre Bembry getting kind of ceremonial first half, end of the second quarter type minutes. Played just six minutes on uh, Saturday. I believe he played a similar amount in the first game of the season as well. Didn't see the floor in the second half of either game. And look, I am on the record saying I think they should be going a little bit deeper in the rotation. In particular, I want to see Malachi Flynn. I think we'll probably see some Alex Len against the Sixers because of the size they have. So that might force Nurse to go out of his comfort zone a little bit and get a little bit bigger. Um, But, you know, I also understand why Nurse is trying to narrow things down and find a rotation he trusts. Like, you know, it, it works for him. And I think he's done a decent job with the minutes so far. I mean, Kyle at 35 on Saturday is not terrible. I think he was a little high in the first game. Um, he played like 39, if I recall, or maybe north of 40. But really only Pascal played a crazy amount of minutes in the game against the Spurs on Saturday. He played 43. I'd probably like to see that come down considering all of the defensive effort he's expending on that end of the floor. And I think... You know, Nurse's reasoning for keeping it so tight in his post game on Saturday was that, you know, he wants to make sure his best players are on the floor, which I totally get. It's kind of what you do. You want to have your best players on the floor at all times as much as you possibly can. And the Raptors historically are great with Kyle on the floor and awful when he's off and kind of similar with Pascal the last couple of years, too. I think there's a way for Nurse to balance it a little bit better and work in some more guys and sort of using duos of the starters, the you know, the four core guys in Lowry, Van Vliet, and Anobi Siakam. If you kind of separate those guys into pairs and then you partner them off with, you know, insert three bench players here, I kind of think you can work in some more guys and actually get a little bit more experimental and creative with your lineups in a way that he hasn't quite gotten so far. Um, you know, uh, you know, keeping a Lowry and OG pairing together, having them together at all times, and then filling in the spots around them. You get a little bit creative. You can go small. You can have OG play the five with three different players in between. You can put OG at the three and play Boucher and Len or Baines or whoever, and then a different guard at the two. Malachi Flynn, perhaps. I don't know. Just, just a suggestion here. But you know, I, I just if you keep those guys staggered, you. Make sure that two of those guys are on the floor at all times. I think you can manage the minutes so you're not playing too, too many minutes for these guys, especially early in a compressed season where they're going to be traveling a ton. I think the minutes management is going to be a thing that Nick Nurse is actually kind of held to account for this season, which has not really been a thing in the last couple of years. And I, I just, I would like to see more dudes get an opportunity. In particular, Malachi Flynn, who I think offers some really nice tools and kind of adds to the monstrosity that is the Raptors' defense and their hands poking balls free. I mean, Flynn's so good at that. Why not give him a shot? You know, if Norm is going to struggle the way he has, throw Flynn in there either to replace Norm or to play with Norm to take some of the ball handling burden off of him when he's with the bench. You know, there's just... It's so tough early on. The Raptors have a lot of decent players and a lot of different skill sets that come together here. But I think there's got to be room for Nurse to be a little bit more liberal with the number of guys he's getting in the lineup just to kind of see what works. You know, it's a lot of in a season like this where it's new, it's fresh for a lot of these guys. Just throw some stuff at the wall, see what works. And Nurse is known for being experimental. It's just a little interesting that his rotations never seem to be all that outside the box. So I'd hope to see 
a bit of a more uh, adoption of some creativity from Nurse in the coming weeks and, and months here, but maybe we won't, and we'll just see this set eight rotation. If that's the case, if this is the set eight, I think it's a pretty solid set eight. Um, you know, the way... Matt Thomas has played his defensive awareness, his you know ability to jump passing lanes and stuff has really been there. He doesn't look like a liability on that on that end of the floor, and the other team seems absolutely terrified anytime he gets the ball in his hands. That's a nice thing to have. Um, you know, the eight they have is fine. I just I like Bembry and Len and Flynn in particular as guys you could add into the mix as well and get some different sort of fun creative looks that uh, might help the Raptors figure out their early season woes. Anyway. I feel like I've talked a lot on this episode. I'm going to wrap it there. Thank you so much for anyone who sent in questions. Thank you for listening. Love you very much and uh, always appreciate the love and support. You can always subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Please uh, do that and rate and review as well. It's very much appreciated when you take the small amount of time it requires to do that. You also can check out all the other Lockdown Podcast Network offerings from the Lockdown NHL shows. By the way, we got a nice preview coming up next week featuring all the Lockdown hosts uh, from Tuesday through Friday ahead of the January 13th start date of the upcoming NHL season so stay tuned for that that'll be a lot of fun um, no shortage of stuff for you to check out there's sports everywhere going on all the time and uh, we have it covered for you here at Locked On so go find a show that is right for you in addition to this one that'll do it I'll be back again on Tuesday with Louis Zatzman from Raptors Republic to talk about his wonderful piece that went up today and we'll look ahead to the Sixers game on Tuesday night as well have a good one everybody we'll talk to you on Tuesday with another episode of Locked On Raptors Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.